We're going to read from James uh, chapter 3 this morning. That's where we're going to be most of the morning. And this is what it says. We use our tongue to praise God our Father and then turn around and curse a person who is made in his very image. Out of the same mouth we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. You know that all of this is, comes from uh, the message that uh, Patty was preaching last week out of the source. You are the source. God, we, we go to you. God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We ask that, Lord, as a result of us gathering here together in this house, your sons and daughters, Lord, that we would be changed. We would walk out of here um, with your word inspiring us this morning and moving us into action. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. All right, you can be seated. So we're rebooting the James series. This means everything and moving into season two. (laughs) That's what we'll call it for those of you that are binge watching experts. Um, For the uninitiated, that just means that we're continuing in the arc of season one, but we're ramping it up a little bit. Um, The first five messages from the book of James have been kind of warm-ups for what's about to happen. And James sets us up by, guide, by really getting in our face. That's his, that's his go-to. It's kind of how he operates. He gets in our face about religion, about favoritism, and even faith versus works. And so we've had those discussions. And all of this is flowing from the idea and the truth that when Jesus changes our identity, it changes everything. It changes everything about us. New identity brings new activity, all flowing from the root and the firm foundation of staying rooted and grounded in love. Pastor Patty's message where she keeps on, every time she gets up on this stage, every time she goes anywhere, she keeps on holding up that banner. It's all about love. It's a truth that flows throughout the scripture from the beginning to the end. You can't get away from God's love for you. It's enormous. And so, and when you grab a hold of him, it changes everything about us. And so that's what James is saying in his book. And in the next few weeks, James is going to try to show us how being grounded in our relationship with Jesus changes the way we walk. It changes how we handle our money. It changes how we plan our future, how we handle temptation and on and on. James is a very practical book. And, and we're not, you know, the only ones doing a reboot. About 10 years ago, I've talked about this before, DC Comics decided to reboot Superman for the comic book, uh, you know, readers in here. They wanted to make him attractive to a younger generation. Um, so they switched him up along with his, orange, uh, his origin story. And they made him unsure about the path that he should be on. A little bit angsty, he wore a hoodie, you know, and, and so they wanted to make him maybe a little bit edgy for the kids. And at one moment, he's struggling with what he should be in life. And so his mom comes into the story to give him some advice. And his mom says to him, you know what, Superman, I don't care what you do. She said, you can, you can play the banjo. It doesn't matter as long as you're happy. And I remember reading that and thinking, that's the worst advice anybody could possibly give to Superman. He's Superman. I mean, he's Superman. He has powers far beyond those of mortals, right? And, and so if he wants to play the banjo, fine. And if you play the banjo, go for it. Be incredible at the banjo. Uh, but if you can fly and bullets bounce off of you, don't stop at the banjo, right? right? And so you have enormous power and help me finish the sentence, and with enormous power comes great responsibility. And so yes, that power can be intimidating and scary, but it can also be amazing and life-changing. So take that power and leverage it for good, right, Superman? (laughs) Now, why say that? Because it's the same for you. It's the same for you. And, And for me, and James is gonna tell us today that you have enormous power. And every person in this room, whether you feel it or not, you have an incredible power right now to shape the perspective and even destinies of people around you. You have a power that you can choose today to use for evil or for good. And I I want you to leverage that power for good. And so James is going to talk about the power that you and I have and how to wield it well. And he's going to start with a warning. And in verse 1, the warning is to you about guys like me. (laughs) It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, 
Not many of you should want to do what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Your question is why? And this is what he says. He says, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, the people who do this well will be treated a little bit different. And, and I, I, love, I love Patty. I hope she keeps on just kicking down old religious doors. I, I love, I love, I love when she gets on the stage. You know, so, you know, our definition of judgment changes a little bit. You know, when we look at the root word. So, you know, we're going to be treated. We'll all, we'll all get to heaven by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. But at the end, there's going to be an evaluation of our life. And he says, people like me are going to get evaluated a little bit different. And so then he says, you know this. Like, this is something that we all agree on, which is a natural question would be, well, how do, how do we know this? Um, and like per usual for James, um, th this is what he says. Oh, where'd I go? Every... Uh, la, 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 la. He got this from his brother Jesus. James got this from his brother Jesus. Uh, and so I'm going to take us to Luke chapter 12 for a second. Jesus was talking to his followers and he says, when I come back, if you're my people, you should be doing my kind of work in the world, right? And so using the illustration of when a boss like walks into the room, walks into the office, and the employees should be working. If Nick walks into Pure Bean, and the employees should be working, right? And if, if the boss comes in and they're not working, they're going to have to answer to somebody, right? And, and, and then the apostle Peter, who was the leader of the apostles, looked at Jesus and was like, yeah, you all should be working. <laughs> and he was like, Jesus, how about us? And Jesus was like, y'all are going to be in kind of kind of a more of a mess. If, if you're the manager and your people aren't doing the work, there's, there's, there's a little bit different, you know, scale that we're working on. And then, then, then he says in verse 48, and Peter Parker's uncle in Spider-Man stole this from Jesus. He says, to whom much has been given, much is required. And he says, to, to whom much has been entrusted, I'll demand all the more. And what does he mean by that? Um, when you stand on a raised platform and say to a group of people, you know, thus saith the Lord, um, there's, there's influence. And so there are a lot of people who would come up to me, um, they're smarter, they're funnier, they're a good storyteller, and like, I wanna be a preacher because I've got this crazy story about a squirrel, and I wanna tell it. And I'm like, hey man, that's all great, and, uh, but if you're begging to get into a spotlight, maybe do this, pray that God keep you from it until you tremble from his word, right? Because uh, you don't want to perform and play games with his word, his, his holy word. And so this is the word of God, and we don't want to misuse or abuse it. And the other thing James is going to warn about us is this. This is what the setup is. When you stand up here or any platform, you use the most dangerous part of your body. And that's where this talk is going. He says in verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. Everybody struggles, he says, but if anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, literally in his, in, in, this is in James' words, if he, if he doesn't stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. And he says the problem with teaching is, is you stand up here and you get in front of a group of people and you use your mouth, which is a dangerous thing to do. And he talks about He's talking to us about our words today. And then he makes this ask. This is his thesis. This is his thesis in verse two. He says, we all stumble in many ways, which is encouraging to know. Nobody's perfect in here. So if, if you're here and you're like, you know, man, I'm kind of a mess. And, you know, here's all these bright, shiny people. No, that's not it. Um, you know, he says that they're a mess too. <laughs> Join the party. We're, we're all a mess. And everybody's a mess, right? We all stumble in many ways is what he says. Some of you, maybe this morning you're really stumbling with lust. Maybe for, for some of us, um, uh, you know, that's a problem. Or maybe for some of you, you stumble over anger. And anger is, is this monster that's, that feels like it's in you. Some of you, it's fear and insecurity. We all have these things that we stumble over. And James says it, we all stumble in many ways, but here's this, here's this kind of line here, but if you ever meet a guy who can control what he says, you've met a perfect human being. <laughs> Anybody ever met that guy, by the way? <laughs> you've ever, you've, he says, that's when you've met a perfect human being who can control every other aspect of their life. So that's James' thesis. If you can control your mouth, he says, you can control the rest of your life. And so if you can get a bridle 
on your words, you'll shape your entire world. That's a pretty authoritative statement. And so now where does James get off saying that? Do you, does anybody, do you believe that? So, well, he's going to give us two arguments to his thesis. And the first argument is this, is that the tongue is powerful. And so the tongue is powerful. Your mouth and your words are powerful. And he says this with some illustrations. We, we did a whole series on this once. We're just going to kind of fly over these. But he says in verse 3, if we put bits in the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And he used a, a word association here. If you can bridle your tongue, um, literally put a bridle on it, you can guide your whole life. You know, you know, he says, we put bits in the mouth of horses. Now, for those of you that have never been up close to a horse, horses are big. They're really big when you stand up right next to a horse. Can anybody attest to that? They're like, makes you feel small, right? They got those big muscly legs when you stand right next to them. And, and, and then there's this little piece of metal that you put in their teeth. And, and you put that little piece of metal there and there's a little tie and there's a little leather strap around it and you pull that leather strap and that huge horse will go wherever you want it to go. A little couple inch piece of metal can control that muscle machine of an animal. The little leads the big. That's his argument. The little leads the big. And then he does it again. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by the strong winds, they are guided by a itty bitty small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. He says, big boats, rough conditions, little itty bitty rudder, <laughs> little itty bit. And if a pilot can get his hand on steering that little bitty rudder, he can control the whole big ship, right? The little, this is his argument again, the little leads the big. That's his argument. Little, little bit, big horse, right? Little rudder leads a big boat in big waves. Your little mouth controls your life. Your words determine your world. Your communication shapes your direction. This is the most powerful, he's arguing, member of your body that will determine where you, you go. And this is what he says in verse five. So also the tongue is a small member and yet it boasts of great things, right? Your little words will determine the course of your life. Your words shape your world. You, so think about your job. How did you get that job? Well, I knew a guy or I had an education. Well, you know, for a lot of us, so much of your ability to have that job and to keep that job is associated with what you said maybe in that entrance interview and what you say now. You know this, right? <laughs> You are one sentence away from getting fired every day. <laughs> we know that. You know what I mean? Like there's some sentences you could just say and the result would be, you're out of here. <laughs> you're gone. And your words, what you choose to say and what you choose not to say, how you communicate determines your job. And if you make money or not, think about the ability to make money. And if you wrote the sentence, man, today was awesome, but it was also kind of lame. You, you wouldn't, nobody would buy that book, but if someone wrote it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, people would buy that book, right? Because communication is powerful and it's far more significant to say, I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills in Georgia, former slave owners and former slaves will one day sit around at the table of brotherhood. That's, that's far more powerful than to say, wouldn't it be cool if we all like get along and stuff, right? The right words in the right moment can shape people's thinking and it can shape destinies. Think about that. There's power in your words. They, there have been speeches given uh, the right selection of words at the right moment that changed human history. Behold the power of words, right? Do you see that? And, and, and some of you, even if you don't give speeches, you've seen that a well-placed compliment landed, uh, you know, Maybe your closest friendship because you, you, maybe you said something, somebody said the right thing at the right time. Maybe they quoted a movie that you're like, and you're like, what? And all of a sudden you're best friends because of that half quote from a movie. Some of you, a whole friendship has unraveled over one sentence. 
you heard them say something, you said something, and years of friendship, relationship crumbled under the weight of a word. Words have power. Behold the power of words. This, the little leads the big. Your words determine your world, but not only are your words powerful, they are dangerous. So that's James' next statement. Kind of a sub-point here. Words are dangerous. And he uses that in the third illustration. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The little controls the big, but now we're, we're starting to shift and, and little words can create big problems, right? The little directs the big into disaster. How many of you remember the Angora fire in California? 2007, burned over 3,100 acres, destroyed 242 residences and 67 commercial structures were damaged. At the peak of the blaze, over 2,000 firefighters were involved in the fight. It cost 11.7 million to fight the fire and it did $141 million worth of damage. So $150 million total. Do you know what started that fire? Anybody remember? An illegal campfire. Somebody lit a match. Little itty bitty strike of a match. And that cost $150 million in damage, right? How great a fire can be caused by such a small little spark. And we felt that little words can do big things. Charles Spurgeon, when his church was exploding and growing, they moved to a bigger venue. Um, It was seating 10,000 people. And while they were in the middle of the venue, during a prayer time, a man stood up and yelled one word, fire. fire. And it created panic and it created a stampede and seven people were dead by the end of that day. And Charles Spurgeon, called the, he's called the greatest preacher who ever lived by some, he, he almost lost his mind. That one word at the wrong time took lives. It cost people. Think about the people who work on campaigns with elected officials. They're sitting in in the crowds as their politician is giving a speech and their person makes one comment offhanded and they use the wrong word. What happens with that campaign person? They, They may be, the person on the stage maybe hasn't even realized it yet and that person in the audience is like, no, 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 no. Because in that moment, they think of all the paperwork and the press conferences that they're gonna have to do to unwind what that person just said on that stage that a little bitty word can even end a whole career. I'm not gonna get into it if you don't know the story, but think of how now the infamous slap in the correlating words of Will Smith at the Oscars. Words can do a lot of damage, right? The little leads the big and words can wound deep. They will shape your world and they can wound deeply. Think about it this way, Um, let's say tomorrow, you're going to work, and while you're walking to work, somebody attractive, they, they smile at you, and that feels pretty good. And somebody else says hi, and you're like, hey, man, hi, and you're doing the exchange. Somebody else says, hey, you look great. Well, thank you. I just got this. And, and you know, you're feeling pretty good. And then let's say you walk by some junior high kids that say, look at that guy's pants. And they're laughing, and they're pointing fingers. They start laughing at you. Which one goes with you as you head into the office? What's in your head, right? What's in your head? We hold on to negativity so much longer. There's something about us, right? Think about a friend that criticizes you, how much that can hurt your sense of self and who you are. When someone who knows you really well talks bad about you, imagine hearing those words, even if they apologize later, it hurts. What damage does it do? Imagine... What insecurity can be lodged into the heart of a woman from a critical husband? Ooh, ouch. The person who knows you more intimately than all, callous and hurtful and harsh words are like a thrust of the sword. It hurts. I've seen it, the damage um, uh, it can do to a sense of self. I felt it. Some of you, the words that came to mind when you look in the mirror have been entirely shaped by what someone said about you. 
a sentence by your father, a word from your mom, uh, side comments from that, for me, it was the upper class bully who just wouldn't leave me alone. A glance from you know, your aunt who has completely colored your sense of self and how you make decisions. Behold the power of words. The way we talk to each other shapes society and our communication determines our direction. James says your words are very powerful and this power, it can, they can be used for a lot of harm. That's why we had the rhyme when we were kids, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now, why did we make up that rhyme? It, it, because the words hurt. The words hurt. We don't have a rhyme about sticks. It's really about the words. Why would we say that? Because somebody made fun of us and it hurt. And let me tell you from experience, some of those hurtful words journey with us for decades. I still struggle with self-worth sometimes. And, and, I, and I think a lot of it comes from when I was relentlessly bullied in middle school and early high school. I've, I've carried that for far too long and I've tried to drop it off several times. And sometimes I, I keep on bringing it to the altar like, Jesus, take this. Behold the power of words. And it's interesting, in, in the fall of, uh, of 2019, some of you guys will remember this, a girl from Boston College was charged with manslaughter because she sent one, I mean, thousands of texts, literally, they, they, they cataloged it all, allegedly, <laughs> to her boyfriend, telling him to kill himself. And then he did. And you may say she should be charged or she should not, but as a society, we're grappling with what's underneath that. And what's underneath that is the power of words to shape somebody's thoughts and processes. Right? We have a power here. <laughs> we have a power here. And when you choose to speak, when you walk into a circle, you've been given power. What you say will determine the course of a conversation. So analyze yourself for a minute. <laughs> right? What do you bring? When you enter into the room, what do you bring? When you enter into your circle of friends, what comes out of your mouth? Right? What, what is your contribution to our, our collective? What are you putting out there? Because your words shape your world and your tongue has power. Yeah. And then James' second argument to his thesis is not just that our words are powerful, but they're inherently perverse. Our words determine our world. And James says our words are wicked. Now, no, don't worry, we're gonna get to the good part, but let's, let's get through this. James is kind of walking us through a process. There's something wrong with us is what he's saying. And that's where he turns the corner in verse six. And the tongue is a fire, a whole world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting the, on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. So what do you really think, James, right? <laughs> James is, again, he's right up in our face, right up in our grill. And he says, let me tell you about your tongue. Your mouth stains and colors your whole existence. Your tongue is a fire and it burns things down. And he goes, let me point to the source. It is lit on fire by hell. Your tongue is lit by hellfire, man. Why does he say that? Well, it's interesting, the word hell here, if I could get nerdy for just a second is the Greek word for Gehenna. And it's a combination of two Hebrew words. It comes from the Old Testament of, of the Valley of Hinnon. And so the valley was a place outside of Jerusalem and it was well known. All of James' listeners would have known about it um, because Jeremiah in the Old Testament told us that this valley is where people would sacrifice their children to idols. And so people who knew God and loved God and knew that God is strong and loving, they knew that God hated this practice that's evil to try to manipulate the deities by sacrificing your children. So this valley was an evil place. And so when the people of God in the Old Testament had control of Jerusalem, they set the valley down and they made it a trash heap. And so you would burn your trash out there and you would see the smoke rising up from the valley of Hinnom, but it had a reputation. That's an evil place. That out of this noxious place, noxious fumes would rise. And he says, there is a dark place and out of it rises some really dark things. And James says, 
This is about our mouths. That it's hard to control. He says it's perverse. And part of why it's perverse is look how hard it is to get it to do what's right. And then in verse seven, he says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed. It has been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. Wow, James, man. I kind of have like this love-hate thing with James. He like hits it hard. <laughs> but he, was, he was like, think about every animal. And he didn't just say animals. He's, he's thinking, like, think about the reptiles, the birds, think about all of them. He says, every one of them can be tamed and has been tamed. Think about how scary a lion was, you know, the first time, you know, our ancestors ever ran across one, how terrifying that would be to be out there and run into a lion. Well, you know, now we make them do tricks for us for entertainment, right? Uh, stand up on one paw, right? Wait, think about how scary a charging elephant would be. And, and, and now we put little tutus on them and have them walk around in circles. You know, every animal that we were scared of, we've tamed. I mean, massive animals. And we make them do tricks for us. Yet we can't keep our mouths shut. <laughs> James is painting this picture. I heard a pastor say this once. And, and he, he said, try this. And I, I copied this down for you this morning. He called it the tongue test. And he, he did a whole message on this, linking scripture to each of these. We don't have to have time for that today. But I, I, wanna give, I, wanna, I want us to give this a shot, even just for a week, six things. I already put them in your notes. So you don't need to write them down. Number one, let's try this. Do not complain or grumble at all. Some of you are like, I'm out. How do you tap out? <laughs> Number two, do not boast about anything at all. The rest of you all just got out, right? Number three, don't gossip or repeat bad information about somebody. Number four, don't run somebody down, even just a little bit. Number five, don't defend or excuse yourself, no matter what. And number six, is always affirm, always affirm other people. Don't complain, don't boast, don't gossip, don't run people down, don't defend or excuse yourself, but always affirm people. You think you can do that for a week? You think you can do that over brunch? <laughs> Some of you are sifting through your conversations and you're just like eliminated everything you talk about. I mean, seriously, this is... This is something to think about. Many times, relationships at work, it's just the, it's just the way we're built. They're, they're built off of negative comments. So try it tomorrow. Say only positive things. Try it. You walk into the office and, and somebody says, man, you know, when the, when the snow starts coming, it's freezing out there. What, what's our normal response? It's like, yeah, man, it, it stinks. You know, that's, that's kind of what we do. What, you know, what if, what if instead you're like, yes, but the mosquitoes are gone, hallelujah, and I get to bring out my warm socks, you know? <laughs> They're gonna be like, you're a weirdo. It's so foreign in some places. To like to speak life, right? Why? Because there's something, James is arguing, there's something wrong with us. Proverbs chapter 10, where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. <laughs> That's the verse of my life, right? When people comment on sermons, they're like, you shouldn't have said that. Sometimes I'm like, well, you know, that's unfair. You didn't understand what I was trying to say. But about half of the time, I'm like, yeah, right. That was pretty dumb. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Where there are many words, which is my job, <laughs> transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. It's hard to do. James says, as we keep reading, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. What's he talking about there? He's grabbing common imagery in the Bible about snakes. We see this all over scripture. They're, 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 the, the mouths of, of a poison, the poisonous snake, right? They have, they're, they're full of poison. And, and when their mouth comes out, they extract that poison. And for some of us, we do that with how we talk. And so Psalm chapter 140, David is praying. He says, deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. And then listen how he describes evil men. He says, they make their tongue sharp as serpents and under their lips is the venom of asps. So one of the way David defines evil people is they say mean things and they talk bad about me. 
I hear them gossiping around the corners. I hear them whispering about me. They just say mean things. They complain a lot. And it's interesting, Paul will grab that imagery too. He, he pulls from the same verse in Romans 3. Paul's argument, he's, he's saying in the same way, everybody's evil, everybody's wrong, everybody's got this, this something's wrong with us. It's not the way we're meant to be, yet under God you're beautiful because you're in the image of God. When your source changes, it changes everything. You know, that's the, that's the language James gets to too. But at the beginning, you got to start with the argument, something's wrong with us, something's broken in all of us. And he grabs that in Romans 3. He quotes the same verse, Paul does. There's something wrong with our tongues. We're like serpents, that the tongue is powerful, but it's perverted. Our words guide our worlds, but there's a wickedness inherently in them. And then James gives some examples. In verse 9, James says, With it we bless our Lord and the Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. remember the whole book of James, he's looking for consistency. He wants integrity in our lives. He wants the inside and the out to match. And so for our new identity to change our activity. And so it drives James crazy when he sees duplicity. That's what he talks about early on. He said, don't pray and trust God and then doubt him at every step. Don't do that. Don't say you love Jesus, but then not love his people when they're hurting or when they're in the room. And so James is always saying, I want consistency on the inside and on the out. And he says, don't bless the Lord, our father, and then curse the people that are made in his image. That doesn't make any sense. And I've talked about this before. You know, if you decide that you like me and you just want to tell me, hey, Sean, you're the coolest guy ever and I want to be friends with you. Hey, man, I would like that. Okay, that's great. Yeah, I want to be friends with you. But if you're like, yeah, man, but I just got to let you know, you're six-year-old, man, I can't stand him. You, you got to get Laz out of here. I don't want to look at his stupid, stupid face. You and I are cool, but get him out. If you said that, What do you expect me to do? (laughs) I'm not going to say, yeah, he's kind of lame. Sorry, man. Let's get out of here. No, there's no separation between me and him. There's none. Deanna would be fully on board with this. To insult Lazarus is to come after me. Because that's my son. And I know he can be difficult at times, but he's mine. There's no separation. So when we're walking through this city, remember every face you see is made in the image of God. Whether they believe what you believe or not. Whether they agree with you or not in any kind of circle, any kind of cultural background, political party, economic background, etc. Whether they're nice to you or not, they're made by your God. So even if they're acting crazy, for his sake, we speak kindness to them. James says, if we're in here worshiping him and then trashing his people, how do you think that makes him feel? There's no separation. We can't hold our faith. We already talked about this, favoritism. We can't hold our faith in one hand and favoritism in the other. It does not work that way. And let's talk about what we communicate online for just a second (laughs) in the social media world, right? Your communication has power, right? The words you type are just the same as what comes out of your mouth. And James says, no matter the circumstance or the platform that you are using, if you're blessing God and then trashing his kids in the same breath, that's weird and that's wrong. That's James' statement here. That's weird. We don't do that. He says in verse 10, from the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things should not be. It's not supposed to be like that. He says, man, if God has changed your heart, we should see a change in your life. So when you walk into any kind of social situation, you have a choice of what you put in, right? You've got a choice. So what do you put out there? Are you inserting blessings or curses? Are you lifting the atmosphere or are you bringing it down? Are you bringing God's light and love into the circle? How about his joy? Not a fake joy, but a real, real joy. Or are you just bringing arguments and anger and hurt? You have that choice. 
Proverbs 12 says, there are some who speak rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Are you winging a sword around at your office? Are you doing it online? Are you bringing healing into that space? That's your choice. But James says it doesn't make sense to have two kinds of streams coming from the same pool. That's the rest of his talk. He says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And I love this about James because he doesn't really, <laughs> he doesn't really explain any of his illustrations. He just drops the mic. I think he got this from his brother. <laughs> he just drops the mic and he walks. All right, okay. But let's think about this for a second. If you find a freshwater spring, what happens? You build a village around it, right? It brings life. If you look in society, they build around the fresh water. If you dig a well and it's brackish water, you keep on moving because it's not gonna bring life. It's, that's not a place to live because that doesn't give us life. And he says, does the same string stream bring out both? No, it does not. <laughs> does the fig tree bear olives? No. And the salt pond bring fresh water? No. And then he leaves and you go, okay, what am I supposed to do with that? Now, what's interesting about it, and I love this about James too, if you notice, there's no how-to section at the end. And, and, and that's weird. We're accustomed to like sermons are supposed to end with that, right? And you're like, wait a minute, uh, now what? So we devise a plan. We, we come up with our own plan and we're like, okay, everybody, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a jar and we'll call it the swear jar and you put it on your desk and every time, you know, you say a naughty word, you put some money in there and then you give it to a charity that you don't like because you're like, oh man. <laughs> Is that what we're supposed to do? <laughs> James doesn't give us a bunch of tips on how to control your mouth. He says no, because Here's where the point of what James is trying to say comes to. Here's the point James is making. Your mouth is not really the problem. <laughs> your mouth, he says, it has a lot of power, but your mouth is not the problem. He says, you've got to go back to the source. There are fumes that come from a noxious flame. This is the water that comes from the well that you've dug so he's going to call you back to the source. He's doing this again because his brother did it. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus and his disciples are walking along. They're eating and some religious people are like, hey, how come your disciples aren't washing their hands? And it wasn't a sanitary thing like, you know, we do 20 seconds, you know, before we eat. Uh, it wasn't that. Um, it was ritualistic kind of a purity practice, that I'm pure before God is what it was. And so they're saying, why aren't your guys purifying their hands? And Jesus, he stops the train and he says, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? Jesus is talking about our doo-doo. <laughs> That's a quote. That's what Jesus says. He says, what you eat does not defile you, doesn't make you religiously unpure. He says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from where? From the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. This is what defiles a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Some elementary kid in here is saying, see, mom, I don't have to wash my hands. <laughs> Jesus said so. <laughs> Earlier in Matthew 7, he says, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Here's what he's saying. I'm not telling you to try and take good fruit from bad trees. I'm not telling you to have a broken heart, but then just try to adapt your wording and try to fix your words. He says, the problem is something is going on with your heart. We need a tree change. We need a well change. We need a heart change. And guess what? God can do that. God is in the business of changing hearts because what comes out of here is what comes out here. It's going back a bit in this series that we just finished. Remember, we were in the joy series, how to have joy in any circumstance. Remember what was the whole point of that message? We have a root. We have a source. 
that we stay connected to in any circumstance. It all goes back to the root, to your source. Where do you get your strength from? So your mouth, we got to give it time. You can, you can adapt your sentences maybe for a week or two with your own strength and with your swear jar, maybe for an hour for some of us. But what's really in your heart is always going to come out. And so God wants to talk about the heart. And that's what Jesus said in John 4. He says, everyone who drinks from this well that we're standing at right here, they're going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water I give them, come on, somebody, they will never be thirsty again. The water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's a never-ending source. He says, when you come to me, I change you on the inside. And your problem is you've had a bad spring. You've been pulling from a bad well. But if I can change the spring, then the water is going to flow out different. John chapter 7 says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is the imagery James is grabbing from. Now, he, he said this about the spirit. With those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the spirit has not been given, but Jesus was not yet glorified. He says, I don't need you to change your sentence. I need you to change the source. I don't need you to change the sentence. I don't, I don't want you to just to try to adapt your wording. I want to change your heart because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You change the source, not just the sentence. If I can change your heart, your words will change. Think about most of the negative things we say. Where does it come from? Why do we dog on people, right? Usually it's because we're insecure. And so to take them down a peg makes us feel better, makes us, makes us kind of feel like we're up a peg. Maybe we're scared. If they get past me, I'll never achieve what I want to achieve in life. Most of our negativity isn't even about the people that we're saying it to. It's about what's in us. It's about what's coming out of you. And so James says, man, I don't need to, to give you a bunch of chips. I don't need to get, give you a bunch of tips on, 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 on how to change you know, the way you talk. I need to see a change in the source. That's what I'm looking for. The heart should be different. And let me tell you something, that's God's business. That's what he does. And so, and so you can do that. That's, that's the desperation of us. That's what James says. No human being can tame the tongue. He says it flat out. He can't do it unless you're perfect. All the perfect people in the house, raise your hand. Why not? Because to tame the tongue is to change the heart. And we can't change us. Only God can do that. There's something wrong with us. We're broken. We can't fix us. But praise God, Jesus can. Jesus is in the business of making diseased trees into healthy trees. And, and Jesus is in the business of making salt water into fresh water. Jesus is in the business of giving us not just that which satisfies us, but a well of overflowing life. It never stops. Amen. James says, you make the tree good, the fruit is going to be good. Yet you, you let God change the spring and the flow is going to be good. So let Jesus get a hold of your heart and your words will change. Because redeemed people are changed people and, and my identity now reflects in my activity because redeemed people speak redeeming words. Alive people speak life-giving words. Children of grace speak gracious words. Right? That's who we are. Our identity changes our activity. Liberated people speak liberating words. Right? Forgiven people speak forgiveness into other people's life. When you know God's love, you can speak God's love, but it's got to start in the heart. And we can't control that. Jesus is in the business of changing streams. <laughs> Come on. He's, he's in the business of changing hearts. We, we can't do it. But the good news is that he can. He's in the business of doing that. So if I could encourage you, it'd be with this. Let him change your heart. What you need today is not to promise to turn over a new leaf. 
I'm going to, I'm going to lose my temper. I'm going to, I'm not going to lose my temper as much. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to freak out less. No, none of that. Do this today. Ask God, what's in my heart? What's in my heart? And I bet he'll come to you and say, you are beautiful because you're made in my image. I bet you that's what he's going to say, because just like me with as imperfect as I am and the way I love my son, you're beautiful. You're made in my image. But there's a brokenness in us and we all stumble. And for some of us, like, like we were saying earlier, for some of us, it's lust. Some of you, it's anger. Some of you, it's insecurity. It, it breaks out in different ways, but it shows itself through the mouth. And out of that fire, the fumes rise. And God would say, I don't want the noxious flames. I want life-giving streams to flow out of you. And so let me change your heart and let me put something new in you and let me heal the broken part of you. And you've seen this with the people in your own lives. If the heart changes, the mouth changes. So some of you, your goal today is not to get a swear jar, it's to get a savior. <laughs> you need King Jesus to change you. And for others of us, we need, to keep, we, we need him to keep changing us, right? We're gonna keep on going back to the source because you know him but you still let the, maybe the insecure part of you rise up. And that, that happens with all of us. Sometimes we let it grab control with the, of that bridle in our mouth. It's hard. Are you gonna speak words of life or harsh words that thrust like a sword? That's not how we talk. From the inside out, things change. We're meant to look different because he made us different. You make the tree good and the fruit will be good. You change the stream and the fountain changes. And what this world needs is to see a different kind of a fountain flowing out of us. What the world needs to hear is a different kind of a sentence. What the world needs to hear are different words coming from your mouth. Jesus got a hold of my heart and he's changing me, and I'm not the same. So I wanna encourage you today as we close, it's my heart for you this morning, that it's my heart that I'm just gonna lean into him and trust him more with the broken parts of me, because I've got him. I'm gonna lean in more in the morning, and I'm, I'm gonna think about, okay, why am I angry? Why am I tempted to be frustrated with what's going on in my heart right now? Lord, would you heal me there? Would you touch my heart there? Because when the tree gets good, the fruit will be good. And when I let God tend to my heart, I will speak more kindly. And let me just say it again, the world needs this. The world needs it. And the world will change by words spoken out of a healthy source. God delights to use his people and, and he likes to care for his people. And he'll usually, if you want him to, he, I mean, he will change your heart this morning, right now. I believe it. I've seen it. I've seen him do it here. I've seen him do it in me. Time and time again, and he can do it for you today. His heart infusing into your heart. And guess what? It changes everything. Let's pray this morning. Would you just bow your heads? <sighs> Father God, thank you to your, for your word this morning. Sometimes your brother James <laughs> can be a little confrontational. It can feel a little bit harsh. But we know that Lord, this message this morning is all about the heart. It comes back to the source. And when we lean into you, Lord, you would take us in. Lord, you change us from the inside out. You will take that anger that tries to well up inside of our heart. You will take that bitterness that has tried to take root. For some of us, maybe it's a deep root and you will uproot it. 
God, you will take words of hurt that we've been holding on to, Lord, that have taken the form of, of, of hurting other people in our lives, Lord, because we've been hurt. Hurt people hurt people. So God, we just come today and say, Lord, take a look at our heart. Be the surgeon this morning. God, shine a light into every dark corner of our hearts. Lord, that our words may change, that they may speak life, that they would be a source, um, come from a source of living water that is pure and unadulterated. You are our source. God, we say this morning, change our hearts. Change my heart. Change my heart. Lord, do surgery. You know the specific things. Even if you know it this morning, talk to him about it right now. Lord, I, I'm, I'm sorry for my anger. Lord, I'm sorry that I lost my temper. I'm sorry, Lord, that I said those things. Lord, change my heart. Lord, take me to the root of that and take it out. Do the surgery, do the work. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I wanna encourage you if you haven't had a walk with Jesus up until this point, I love how Pastor Patty just knocked over that kind of wall. She, I, 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 I tell her, you keep on doing the hard things and I'll just keep on doing the easy things. <laughs> that, that religious thing of the, the salvation prayer that we just kind of do, you know? But, but here's what I want to do this morning is, is if you feel prompted this morning, if Holy Spirit, if you if you have heard a voice speaking to you this morning that I need Jesus. I need, I need, I need to walk in his love. I need to, to learn to, to follow him. I want to invite you to that this morning. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. And this, this isn't a, a, a magic prayer. It isn't a ticket to heaven, but it's the start of a journey. And so... I wanna give you that opportunity to pray that prayer this morning. And would you all pray it with us this morning? We say, Heavenly Father, I wanna give you my heart. I wanna give you my life. I surrender all, everything about me, all my anger, all my hurt, all of those negative words I've said, I lay it at the cross. All to you I give. I want to follow you with my life. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.